This is our fifth session now on Ephesians 6, 5 to 9 with instructions to slaves, and our focus is going to be now on verse 8 and the motivation that Paul gives to slaves for being obedient, whether their obedience is seen and appreciated or not. So, Father, as we look at this section right here, and especially verse 8, which applies really to all of us, not just those in this kind of position of slavery in that day, grant, I pray, that, that, that we would know that there is a reward, a receiving back from the Lord for what we have done that is good. So that whether anybody sees it in this life, whether anybody appreciates us at all, you do, and you make it known in the age to come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Slaves, obey your lords according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as you obey Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the soul, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. So, as you obey Christ, as slaves of Christ, as to the Lord, not to men. And now, knowing, or you could say, because you know, I'm telling you, I'm revealing it in the name of Jesus, you know this. And this knowing is going to help you get over the hump of resentment if you get no appreciation, no recognition, no reward on earth at all for your obedience, knowing that if he does anything good, if, if this slave does anything good, any tiny little benefit for his master, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. Save that for next time, because there he's transitioning, isn't he, to address the masters, which he's going to do here in verse 9, ending with, there's no partiality with him. In other words, slave or free, no partiality you get rewarded for your good deeds. So verse 8 is a motivation to servants, slaves, who have been told that your obedience should consist essentially in action from the heart, action from the soul, action from the will, not with eye service as men-pleasers. In other words, the the main thing that's good about this thing you do is that you can't see the beauty of it, right? Lots of people do good things with horrible motives. They don't have a good heart. They don't have a good soul. And they don't have a good will. And Paul has just ruled that out, right? So he rules it out and he says, I want you to be sincere from the heart. I want you to obey from the soul. Do the will of God from the soul. I want you to serve with a good will. And when you do that, 
your master won't see it. It will take a very discerning Christian master for him to see the beauty of your Christ-exalting motives as you are really obeying Christ and being the slave of Christ and serving the Lord. Only a few masters in Christ are going to see that. Doesn't matter whether they see it. Paul is saying the Lord sees it and the Lord is going to pay you back. There is going to be reward. So take heart, press on, be obedient for the rest of your lives, and in due time it will come back to you. Same kind of motivation, remember, that was described in Luke 14 when Jesus said, give a banquet for those who can't pay you back. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. You'll be blessed because they can't repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So that's the same kind of motivation that we have here. They can't pay you back. The master is not going to pay you back because he won't even see the condition of your will and heart. And so you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, a few things to consider about that, aren't there? For example, well, does that mean we're earning our, our big part of our salvation? Let's remember chapter 2. By grace you have been saved. By grace, undeserved favor, you have been saved through faith. So our salvation is undeserved. Your works didn't deserve your salvation. And this is not from your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So getting into the right favor of God and being saved from hell, saved from guilt, saved from condemnation is a free gift of grace. But we're saved for, not by, good works. For we are his workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what's being rewarded. Good works are rewarded. God prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. They are an overflow of this grace and this salvation and this gift. They are a result of God's workmanship, God's creation. So we'll never be able to boast in these. We don't deserve them. They are rewards because God is gracious to do good to those who overflow with this grace, overflow with this salvation, reveal his workmanship, his creation. The, the rewards are rewards for the workmanship of God in our lives. Now, a few other questions. What does it mean in 2 Corinthians 5 when it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done? Sounds familiar so far concerning what he just said in Ephesians 6. But then he says, what we've done in the body, whether good or evil. Oh, that goes beyond Ephesians. I bring it in here because I want you to have a full appreciation of the concept of rewards that Paul is talking about. And Paul speaks here of getting 
something evil if we've done evil. What does that mean? I thought our sins were covered by the blood of Jesus and that we didn't have to think about wrongdoing anymore and its cost to us. Well, it's not that simple, is it? We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will receive for things done in the body. These are Christians now. And we will receive differently. We will receive good or evil. What does that mean? And here's the answer, I think, from 1 Corinthians 3. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation of Jesus as our righteousness and our punishment, we're accepted on the basis of Jesus. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw, these are bad, that's good, each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, because it's the day of standing before the judgment seat. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as through fire. So my understanding is that this word Suffer loss is an interpretation of receive evil. In other words, what is done in the body, good or evil, will receive its reward or we will suffer loss for what we did poorly in building with wood, hay, and straw. And I know that in the immediate context, this probably refers to building as a teacher with imperfect, unhelpful teaching. But by implication, the wood, hay, and straw probably also refers to other kinds of things we do that fall short of the way we ought to be building upon the foundation. So my interpretation is that what might have been a reward, we lose. And that's what he means by suffer loss and evil. Here's another example of reward for what is unseen, which is why I think Paul is speaking to this servant, because he's not going to get a lot of praise, probably. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, what's that like? That's like this right here, back in Ephesians 6. He's telling these servants, don't play to eye service. Don't play to people pleasing. Don't notice that the master is coming and then put on a good face and do a good job, whereas in fact, you're inside, you're seething with rebellion, and when he's out of sight, you're going to do a lousy job, because that's what Jesus says you shouldn't do. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others just to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. If you try to get reward from your master by being seen by him, 
you won't get any reward for that from your Father in heaven. But when you give to the needy, or when you do a good thing, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That means be so discreet and quiet about your generosity that it's as though you're giving to someone a gift with your right hand so quietly and so unostentatiously, not at all seeking to be seen, that your left hand hanging at your side didn't even notice what happened. That's the idea. So that your giving may be seen in, may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's the point of this, knowing that if anyone does anything good, this he will receive back from the Lord, even if nobody sees it. And we know, I mean, if you raise the question, are you really sure that we get differing rewards in heaven? How can, how can heaven be perfect and somebody get more rewards and less rewards? How can there be degrees in perfection? That would be a challenging way to ask it. Well, yes, we do get differing rewards. Here's an example that's pretty clear. Luke 19. Remember the parable? He gave everybody a different amounts of money, and he went away and expected them to invest and come back and reward them accordingly. So here's the result. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. So there's his reward for making ten minas with his mina. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. So that's the difference between the rewards. One person is a mayor of five cities, ten cities. Another person is mayor of five cities. Now, you can say, well, but isn't that symbolic? I said, well, it might be, <laughs> but it's symbolic of something. And it's symbolic of one person having a reward of responsibility for ten cities and one person having a reward for responsibility of five cities. Now, I'm going to close like this. I think the way to think about perfection in heaven is that everybody's cup is full. Everybody's as happy as they can be. And in that sense, all is perfect and nobody is frustrated in heaven. There will be no envy in heaven, no jealousy, and no boasting, no pride, no selfishness. So when I think about that, our different size cups all being full, I thought of this quote from Jonathan Edwards, who describes the degrees in heaven like this. I'll close with this. What puts it beyond doubt that seeing the superior happiness, now that means people who have a larger cup that is full of happiness than yours. Your cup holds eight ounces, their cup holds nine ounces. Superior happiness of others will be no damp to their happiness. So we see their happiness as superior to or greater than ours. 
but ours is full, that won't dampen our happiness. Why? Because the superior happiness which they have consists in their greater humility and their, hap their greater love to them. So when I look at the person with greater happiness, I will see greater love to me than if they were less happy. I had a cup that was containing less happiness. And to God, their love to God and Christ, whom they will look upon as themselves. They will look upon us as themselves. One more paragraph. Such a sweet and perfect harmony will there be in the heavenly society and perfect love reigning in every heart, perfect love reigning in every heart towards everyone without any attempt to control anybody and without alloy or any interruption and no envy, no malice, no revenge, no contempt, no selfishness shall enter there, but shall be kept as far off as earth and hell are from heaven. So whether we can fully appreciate it or not, there are going to be some slaves who have done more good, and they will receive back from the Lord a greater cup, a greater capacity for the enjoyment of God and all his pleasures. And other Christian slaves will have done less good. Their measure of sanctification and holiness will be not as far along, and their cup will be smaller. But in heaven, it will be dipped in the ocean of God's grace and love, and it will be full, and there will be no frustration, no envy, no jealousy, no selfishness. And oh, what a motive we are to receive or have from the Lord when we know that nothing we do, not the smallest unnoticed good deed, will fail to be rewarded.